just for the record, if you have left a narcissist or you have reacted to a narcissist's behavior and now you're questioning yourself and doubting yourself, you're not wrong. You didn't overreact. You weren't being crazy. You didn't misunderstand anything. You saw what you saw. You heard what you heard. You knew what you knew. Trust yourself. Stop feeling guilty. Stop doubting yourself. You gave them more chances than they deserved. Even though it doesn't feel like it right now, one day you're going to look back at this moment and this time in your life and you're going to realize it's a blessing. It's a good thing. Consider this your sign that if you haven't yet, it's time to move on. And if you already have, well, good for you. Do narcissists have a fear of abandonment? Is that even possible? And if they do, what exactly does that look like and where did it come from? You're probably going to think I'm trying to be funny when I tell you what I'm about to say. But the fact of the matter is that in certain ways, a narcissist is very much like a small child when it comes to emotional development. Certain parts of their personality just don't develop normally. This causes a couple of different problems for them that can lead to the fear of abandonment. The first thing I want to note though is that before I get into these two issues, narcissists often have a fear of abandonment that causes them to sort of keep their eye open for other options, which is ridiculous and hurtful, especially when you're in a committed relationship with them. For example, just in the last few days, I've talked to three different clients who have said to me that their narcissist at some point or another in their relationship looked at them and said, I know you're going to leave me anyway. Okay. And very often you can look back into their childhood and see where someone abandoned them along the way, whether it was a parent or a friend or even someone dying in their life, which obviously was out of that person's control, it happens. And it does lend to their lack of empathy over time if they weren't properly nurtured and supported during that event. If someone dies early in their childhood, very often they will, or if someone leaves them, a parent or whatever, very often they will come forward and just decide they don't need anybody. Or they will cling so hard to the people around them that they try to control them. And this is another example of how narcissism manifests. The average toxic narcissist, the discard is going to lead to the sort of out of sight, out of mind phenomenon. They don't see you as a whole person, but rather as an extension of themselves. Their perception of relationships isn't the same as yours or mine because they see previous relationships in a similar way to technology. I've often talked about how narcissists think of love like a cell phone. And what I mean is that their perception of relationships isn't exactly like ours. They kind of see it like a smartphone. So when you first get a smartphone, you think it's awesome because it's new and it's shiny and it has all the good features, stuff you haven't seen before. But eventually it kind of slows down and it becomes obsolete. And then a newer, faster, better model comes out and you quickly upgrade. Maybe you miss a feature or two from the old phone, but you don't really dwell on it because the new phone is so much better. It's exactly how narcissists see relationships. The fear of abandonment is common in abuse victims. And there's a reason we're going to talk about it. So many of us have this deep-seated fear of abandonment. And what's interesting is that narcissists have it too. But when it comes to the survivors of narcissistic abuse, people who are getting out of toxic relationships, the fear of abandonment is not only real, but it's real debilitating. But back to my original point, there are two really common problems that narcissists experience as a result of their brain development or personality development or lack thereof. The first one is what people will typically expect to hear when they ask this question. And the second one is one that you might not always understand, but it kind of comes from my own observations as well as my research. So number one, narcissists need you to confirm who they are. They need you to validate them. They need you to be their narcissistic supply and they fear not having it. 
they fear that if they don't have a primary source of narcissistic supply, they will crumble. Their mask will fall off and everybody will know who they really are. They need confirmation that they're okay. Confirmation that they're good enough. Confirmation that they exist. That they're better than someone. And they need constant supply in order to feel good. It's literally like air for them. And so if you take away this supply, they can't breathe. They can't function as they normally do. Number two, the world is confusing for them in certain ways. Because they lack empathy, they don't always notice what other people are thinking or feeling. And basically, they need other people to help them sort of make judgments about the world. Give them input. What do they think? They're not sure until they ask everybody else. Have you ever seen that? Now, certainly narcissists are very good at appearing to know all the answers. And they're very good at having very strong opinions that are often ridiculous. But very often they gather those opinions from people in their lives who they admire or appreciate in some way. And, and that's an interesting thing that not a lot of people talk about with narcissists. You ever notice how a narcissist stares at you really hard? Gives you the narcissistic stare? A lot of times they do that because they're desperately trying to read someone's face to see how they feel about something. Even though they don't understand the emotion behind it, they can certainly understand if a person is feeling positively or negatively about anything in particular. And if that is a person who they admire, or a person who they think is better than them or might be as good as them, then that person's opinion matters and they might accept their opinion as their own. Ever heard this before? I guess the main point here is that narcissists, they don't have the ability to make their own internal judgments very easily. They don't know for sure what's good or bad or in between with their own standards, with their own thought process, because all of that is flawed. Essentially, they make their decisions based on what looks impressive to them, what looks exciting to them, and watching the faces of other people. So if someone else is like, wow, that's a really nice car, the narcissist goes, I like that person, I want that car. Or I wanna be like that person, I want that car. Or I find that person attractive, I want that car. You see what I'm saying? Narcissists are shockingly very affected by things like advertising. You know, if they see a new phone on the TV, they want the new phone. If they see a food commercial, they order the food. Whatever it is, narcissists are very, very swayable if you approach them in the right way. The funny thing about narcissists is this is not true in relation to people who are close to them. It's only true in relation to people who they really don't know in real life, they don't know well. So if somebody who they admire goes, wow, that's amazing, then they're like, oh, I want that thing. I want to do that thing or have that thing that they're talking about. So what it all comes down to is without the narcissistic supply, the primary, the secondary, the tertiary, and even the TV in some cases, they aren't getting the feedback they need. They literally can't function without that feedback and they can't make decisions in their lives. So because of what the narcissist went through growing up, whether it was abandonment or neglect or abuse or even overindulgence without emotional support, the narcissist is seriously addicted to narcissistic supply. They have lost their true self or at least hidden it very deeply. And so the narcissistic supply helps them to fuel the false self that they have Created. If narcissistic supply stops existing, then the false self is essentially incapacitated. So the false self, because it's not true, it's not real, it is the mask that the narcissist wears requires constant maintenance, constant upkeep. It's exhausting for the narcissist, believe it or not, and it becomes increasingly exhausting if they don't have proper narcissistic supply. The abandonment factor represents lack of contact and essentially lack of supply or loss of supply. So if the narcissist loses supply, they have to seek replacement supply. That's hard work. They don't like that. They have to juggle things. Things are crazy. If they are afraid they're going to lose supply, often they're going to cheat on you because they want to make sure to have a backup plan. 
And everybody, listen closely. Don't be any narcissist or anyone's backup plan, please. You deserve to be somebody's first. And I don't mean first ever. I mean first priority. The fear of abandonment can, for a narcissist can be likened to the fear of running out of water if you were going on a long desert trek and you didn't have any stuff or people with you. It causes significant anxiety. It keeps them in constant motion, constantly trying to juggle everything and make everything happen. The funny thing is that the way they treat the narcissistic supply in the first place is often what causes the, the abandonment to occur. It's what causes the narcissist to, to be afraid because they know they're treating the person badly. They know the person might leave them, which is why they look for people who will allow themselves to be abused. Empaths, people who care about how they feel, and then they use the fear of abandonment against you. They will even say to you, like in a therapy session, I'm afraid she's gonna leave me, I'm afraid he's gonna leave me, and then what's the first thing an empath is gonna say when somebody says that to them? We're gonna go, I promise I won't leave you. And then we've made a promise to them, and we've said, I'll be here, no matter what, I'm gonna be here, and they go, oh yeah, that's good, now I can mess around, poke, 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 and they start the crap with you. But what happens is, because of the way they get abandoned, because of the way they treat us, the cycle, it continues. And the cycle, ironically enough, they do this other thing, where they often leave you before you have the chance to leave them. They abandon you emotionally, and they, they push you away and they tell you, ah, oh, you don't, you're leaving me anyway, just get out of here. Or, or they leave you, they cheat on you and they head out with someone else. Or they just have an argument with you and you are left going, what the heck just happened? And you're spinning and you're spinning and you're spinning and you're in that cycle. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy for a narcissist. They know it's coming or that it might come and yet they continue to treat you like crap because they can't help it, they can't control themselves. Which is why I always tell you the very best possible solution to this problem is to go no contact. The narcissist has the capacity to heal but won't almost ever. I've never heard of one actually healing and actually succeeding long term. So that's the issue. The narcissist could address the core issue, the core problem, the core wound, the thing that caused them to become a narcissist and then they could move forward. But if they continue on their current track, they will never change. They will never move forward. So I think something that a lot of people don't realize is that the fear of abandonment may or may not come from actually having been physically abandoned. The thing is that while some people were actually abandoned in childhood, like my husband who was left in a telephone booth, I've done a video on that, take a look at it right there, as a newborn, other people weren't ever physically abandoned by anyone or they were abandoned by one parent but not the other, but they were dealing with a series of abandonments that was masquerading as a relationship, basically. So what happens when you're dealing with a narcissist, whether it's a parent or a spouse or any sort of person in your inner circle, is that it is a, like I said, a series of small abandonments. When they go through the cycle where they love bomb you and then they devalue you, you start to get that emotional abandonment. And then they emotionally discard you. Now, sometimes they never physically discard you or they never leave you, but they always mentally discard you. The fear of abandonment is more than just being physically abandoned, but yet we have this ultimate fear deep inside of ourselves of always worrying, I don't want to be alone. I can't stand to be alone. I, you know, the idea of being alone scares me more than the idea of staying with someone who's abusing me.
in some cases. But what you don't recognize is that being abandoned or the idea of being abandoned, it creates this deep anxiety within us. And, and it, it many times starts early in childhood, but even when it doesn't start until we're much older, it affects our relationships. It affects our ability to see ourselves as whole people. It affects our self-worth, our ability to make decisions, all of these things. See, abandonment or the idea of it is almost a visceral thing for nearly every human because in different times, if we were abandoned by our mate or abandoned by our parents, we might die out there in the, in the wild. But today it's different, but yet we still have those sorts of fears like intrinsically inside of ourselves. So we have to recognize a few things here. Our brains are programmed to be afraid of abandonment in general as humans because of the visceral stuff. But also if we experience abandonment in any sense of the word, we become focused on the fact that we are potentially in danger from any number of real or perceived fears. So recognizing these things as logical points, great. But I understand that just knowing it doesn't always fix the problem or the fear of abandonment itself. A lot of people who watch this channel, a lot of people who have gone through narcissistic abuse in general, were also dealing with something similar in childhood. And so their fear of abandonment your fear of abandonment can be very, very deep-seated and can be even beyond your ability to comprehend where it came from. But what's important to know is that if you do end up alone, that you're going to be okay. And that alone is a state of mind. Maybe you live in a house by yourself, but you still have support in some way. If nothing else, you've always got your spanily. Being emotionally abandoned by a parent in childhood can really have a lifelong effect on you. And many narcissistic parents or toxic parents in general have this sort of effect on their children. But sometimes even parents who are well-meaning may affect their children this way. What does emotional abandonment look like for kids? Well, when parents stop their kids from expressing themselves or stifle them with, you know, don't be who you are because of this religion or this societal norm or whatever, or when parents ridicule their children for who they are, or when parents hold their children to a standard that's ridiculously unmeetable and treat them horribly for never meeting it, or when parents rely a little too heavily on their children to kind of determine their own self-worth. They live too vicariously through their children. Believe it or not, that's a form of emotional abandonment, as is parents who treat their children like friends or peers instead of children. When your children are adults, it's a different story. But when your children are being raised and growing up and going through all those developmental phases, you might want to be their best friends. And I, I'll tell you, I have some really cool kids. I would love to be their best friends. But sometimes you have to suck it up and be a mom or a dad and do what you need to do. And when you don't do that as a parent, then you sort of emotionally abandon your child. If you were a child of a parent who was emotionally abandoned, you may have a really deep-seated sense of abandonment. Now, like I said, it could be a physical abandonment, a, a, an emotional one, or both. You know, growing up and, and becoming adults and in our young adulthood, even throughout, you know, long marriages, you can be repeatedly abandoned over and over again. So the fear of abandonment is completely normal. One more type of emotional abandonment that you might have experienced is from a spouse or a partner as an adult, or even a really close friend. What does that look like? Well, like we've talked about, it's the cycles of abuse that are common in toxic relationships, but what are the signs of abandonment in an adult relationship? Well, one of you might be a people pleaser, always trying to cater to everyone around you, always giving more than you should give, giving too much. You might also feel kind of envious of other people's relationships. There could be trust issues in your relationship. You might feel insecure, always worried that your partner's gonna cheat on you. You might feel like there's a significant lack of emotional connection in the relationship. You know them, but they don't know your heart. They don't know what you're about. They don't care to find out. 
anytime you say to them, you know, why do you love me? They say things like, because you do X, Y, and Z for me, as opposed to because you are X, Y, and Z. It's always about what you do for them instead of you. In emotional abandonment and adult relationships, one partner almost always controls the other partner. And you might feel like you're settling for a relationship that is, let's say, less than satisfactory. Does any of that sound familiar to you? Here are a few things you need to know. First of all, just like physical abuse, emotional abuse has a cycle. This is emotional abuse. Being in that relationship where you're being emotionally abandoned is emotional abuse. The, the, the feeling, the fear of always being afraid to be alone, of always being afraid of abandonment is a result of having been abused emotionally as a child and or as an adult in a close personal relationship. Emotional abusers are not any better than anyone else. They are just as bad as physical abusers, if not worse. They just don't leave scars for the world to see. But the scars, they run deep for us, don't they? So they figure, well, I'm not physically hurting that person, so I'm not really doing anything at all. Because so many people don't even realize emotional abuse is a real thing. And I think that's why so many people are so shocked by this when it happens. As you may know, emotional abusers tend to use their target's fears as basically a way to abuse them. They use their target's fears against them. So in most cases, when a partner directly threatens to abandon you or a parent directly threatens to abandon you, even if they have never physically abandoned you before, you are being abandoned in that moment. And they use this fear of abandonment as a way to control you and keep you in check. And so if you don't work through that and get past it, then you are going to find yourself accepting and settling for things that you don't deserve, things that aren't good enough for you. In order to feel truly like you are with someone that you want to be with, you need to not need to be with them. You need to be with them because you care about them and they care about you and there's mutual love and respect in that situation. If you're not ready for something like that, then that's okay. You've got time. You don't have to rush into anything. Getting through emotional abuse is very difficult and painful. Since a lot of us already have abandonment issues, it's really easy for abusers to keep us in check and keep us in place by continually doing these little mini abandonments over and over again to us. And then threatening to abandon us is almost in some ways the ultimate control that a narcissist can have. And they will use it to overstep every boundary you have and to keep you in check. In addition to having been emotionally abused, you have that basic human factor, like I mentioned, in that you are wired to want to be connected to people. So what you have to know is that your brain kind of works against you in these situations. Because when you really feel threatened by abandonment, by being alone when you're not supposed to be or you don't expect to be or you don't want to be, something happens to your body and your brain. Certain neurotransmitters and hormones are released like cortisol and adrenaline and because you're not connecting with them emotionally or in any other major way, yeah, that feel-good, we've connected and bonded hormone, oxytocin, doesn't show up, or at least it's depleted. And guess what that is? That's a cocktail for pain. You know, dealing with the cortisol and the adrenaline without the feel-good hormone, my gosh, it's, it's, you're gonna feel terrible. You're gonna feel miserable, and you're gonna think all you can think about is getting back to that person. You'll do anything to bring back the good feelings, even stay with an abuser. And sadly, this is the truth regardless of the level of abuse to which you have been subjected, which is why things like trauma bonding and, of course, the Stockholm Syndrome, which are basically the same thing, exist. It's almost like they're training you like a dog. As you learn to kind of feel abandonment or the fear of it every time you don't do what you're supposed to do, you start doing what you're supposed to do according to the narcissist. You just want to prevent the abandonment and those yucky feelings that happen when that abandonment cocktail cooks up in your brain. So you do whatever the abuser wants you to do. And sadly, 
you and the narcissist become used to this. So then what happens is you're kind of both brainwashed. They're brainwashed by themselves into controlling you and you're brainwashed by their abuse and their use of the fear of abandonment against you to do whatever they want or fear being abandoned. The abuser feels even more in control, even more able to decide how things are going to be between the two of you and you feel even less capable of doing that as time goes on. Pretty soon, there's no time in between the abuse sessions because it's just all one long abuse session. You're just constantly living in fear of being abandoned and doing whatever you can to prevent that. You're like almost chasing the high of the good times that you once felt and you never really quite feel them again in that relationship. You get kind of shell-shocked, you know what I mean? What it comes down to though is that this type of abuse, even when you finally do wake up and you get out of that relationship, you find yourself kind of repeating these patterns with new relationships unless you give yourself enough time to heal. So, for example, the person we were talking to in our chat this morning was saying that he just felt terrible because someone he really cared about had kind of left him by the wayside. He was a new person he was dating and he really liked this person, but then the person kind of at the last minute pulled out and said, you know what, never mind. Well, it turned out that she hadn't responded very quickly to some of his concerns or some of his attempts to contact and that worried him and so he kind of freaked out a little bit and then she decided that she didn't want to be with him. And, you know, we can all understand that, but at the same time, we can also understand how this person felt when he's felt so rejected and so abandoned by so many people. And so as I'm doing this video, you know who you are. I want you to know that you have a lot going for you, but until you're fully healed, don't waste your energy or your time trying to be in relationships. I know this sounds harsh, but give yourself a little more time. Maybe you need another few days or months. Give yourself that time. You're a young guy. You'll be all right. But seriously, if you continue in a relationship like this, you will for sure lose your sense of self. You will lose who you are. You will become a shell of the person you should be. And you deserve better than that. So there are a lot of different things you can do to work through this. The first thing is truly changing your perception recognizing that you are a person who deserves to be loved and that you are a person who deserves someone who's on the same page as you. Trying to squeeze together two people who don't fit just because both of you feel lonely and sad only works for a short time. Maybe that person can just be your friend if that's the case. Bottom line, don't rush into relationships because you are lonely. In fact, until you're to that place in your life where you're ready to truly feel like, you know what, I'm so okay with who I am that I would rather be single than miserable with some wrong person, someone toxic or someone who's just wrong for me, that's around the time you're going to run into the person you're supposed to be with. Find yourself a place of peace where you can really get to know yourself and really recognize your value. Recognize that you are in fact a catch, that you are someone who deserves to be loved and don't put up with any less. Don't tolerate any less because you deserve the very best and you are the only person who can decide what that is. If you're a person who wants to be, like I always say, joined at the hip with your spouse, don't be with somebody who likes independence from their partner, you know? If you're someone who needs a little space like me, don't be with somebody who needs to be joined to your hip. It doesn't work. Think about your own needs as well as how you can connect with the other person. And when you're looking for your one, look for someone compatible with your needs and someone whose needs you can also meet. Because every relationship is a two-way street, at least every healthy relationship. If you're not ready to date yet, it's okay not to date, stay strong. If you're struggling to get through those feelings, those fears of abandonment, work on letting go of the perceptions that you have of yourself, potentially from your emotionally abandoning parents or emotionally abandoning exes or friends, and see what you can do to 
choose your new perception of yourself. All right, that's all I've got for you right now. But as always, thank you so much for being a part of my day and a part of my life. And hey, thanks for letting me be a part of yours. It really does mean a lot to me. And I want you to remember that you're never, never alone. You always have your spanily. So go to queenbeing.com span, sign up if you haven't yet, get involved. Lots of different ways you can recover for nothing over at queenbeing.com. All right. And of course, this channel is completely free. So I'm wrapping up. Oh, but before I go, make sure you take a look at the videos I'm leaving for you right here and right here. And while you're here, hit that subscribe button right there so we can stay connected and continue on this healing journey together. I'll see you soon.